Welcome to the Sandwich Parenting Podcast. I am your host, Sherry Yuen Hunter. Here, we speak with amazing guests to make the world a better place by helping people heal from intergenerational trauma. Sandwich parents are in between the way we got parented and the way we now want to parent our children. Welcome to a very special edition of Sandwich Parenting. I have here today Bobby Parrish, who is the executive director for the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching. And at so many levels, this is such an important uh, interview for me personally, but we'll get into it as we go through the interview. Uh, Bobby specializes in working with survivors of childhood trauma, but she is also the executive director, which means she's teaching, she's managing, she's promoting, she's creating, she's doing all sorts of amazing things. As a survivor of childhood trauma herself, Bobby always brings compassion and understanding to her work with clients and with new coaches that she's training up to deal with and support trauma all over the world. So thank you so much, Bobby, for joining us today. I am just delighted to be here, Sherry. I don't think you could be as delighted as I am, but I will take it. So I'm going to get people to read more about you. I think that, you know, this you're someone that more and more people will hear about and understand as you're building an incredible association of trauma recovery coaches. But what I think maybe if we can start off by building the context, let's ask you first, you know, what is the origin story of the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching? Yeah, you bet. And and, and that's a little bit of a long answer, but I am a survivor of childhood trauma pretty significant childhood trauma, pretty significant adult trauma, um, multiple toxic relationships, domestic abuse, medical trauma, just lots. And when it came time for me to start doing my work, I struggled to find people who didn't re-traumatize me. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and I, and when I say I struggled, I really struggled, Sherry. And and if there's, and I guess if I want to speak, especially in this moment, to anybody who's listening, it's to survivors who have really, really had a rough time. You know, I was disabled from working. Yeah. Lost my job because of mental health issues. Bounced in and out of seven different psychiatric wards. Um, had a suicide attempt, just really and truly my life completely and totally fell apart in, in every possible way, was homeless for a while. And so tried to get help. And what I ended up with were people who would say things to me like, well, no one's ever going to love you unless you learn to love yourself. Oh my gosh. Toxic positivity. and. I was filled with shame because I I couldn't love myself. You know, now looking back on it years later, of course, I don't know how to love myself. Exactly. I was raised by two parents who had themselves gone through so much trauma, didn't know how to love themselves. No. And instead of loving me, they traumatized me. And so saying to me, to someone like me, when I all I would say, I can remember, Sherry, I have such vivid memories of all I want to be is loved. Someone please just love me. Just love me. If you would just love me, I know I'm going to be okay. I know I'm going to be okay. Just love me. And the response was, well, you know, unless you learn to love yourself, nobody else is going to love you. And it may, may as well have been said, okay, now 
the solution is sprout wings yeah. and jump off the Eiffel Tower. Right? Uh, no, but, and, and really, that's how it lands. Because you're sitting here going like, no, 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 I'm telling you what I need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and telling me it's my fault. Right. It's exactly. Like, Ugh. Have that. You can't have that. No. Because you can't. You don't know how to love yourself. So therefore, we're sorry, but you're just essentially screwed. Your SOL really is, is, is what they're saying. Exactly. So you were seeking help and you actually kind of knew what you needed. And yet you were getting those answers that were re-traumatizing you. Yes, exactly. And of course, as we know, trauma is cumulative. Yes. So more trauma, more trauma, more trauma. I'm suffering more. I'm suffering more. I'm suffering more. I'm ending up in the hospital more. I'm endemic. I'm in the hospital more. And every time I end up in the hospital, they look at me like, oh, you've been here before. Obviously, you're not doing the right thing, you know, and my gosh, did I try every single antidepressant that was on the market. And, you know, it's interesting because we've got new research now that shows that depression is not a chemical, a neurochemical deficiency in the brain. Wasn't that fascinating? Because you hear so many people struggling with medication. It's hard to get the right medication. And as you're going through it, it's awful. It is. You know, and I think it probably was maybe only five years ago that I learned the statistic that actually only 30% of people who take antidepressants get relief from their symptoms. And yet I was being told, you must want to be depressed. You're attention seeking. You that, know, that's a, that's a big one, isn't it? That people say, yeah, your attention seeking, your attention seeking. And so it took me a long time, a long, long time going through a lot of therapists, going through a lot of psychiatrists until I finally found a therapist who loved me and, and she told me she loved me. And that was what flipped the switch. It was the spark. Yeah you know, and, and she helped me get connected with um, an inpatient program that was specifically designed for trauma survivors. And I went, and this was my seventh, right, psychiatric ward hospitalization. And they treated me as a member of the treatment team. And they said, what do you need? Sherry, that was the last time I was ever in a hospital. Oh, my goodness. That oh was my it. goodness. I needed a therapist who loved me because then I learned how to love myself. And I needed people to say to me, we know that you know what you need. And that was the pivot point. That was the point. And nothing else was like that, though. Like everything else was, here is how normal people should behave. And you are not behaving in a normal way. Let's right. fix you so that you can behave in a normal, like a lot of it wasn't, hey, you know, you, you've been hurt. Yes, you've been hurt and you're reacting. You're having a trauma response. And you know what? That's normal. Mm, normal. Oh, that's normal. The way that you and your body are responding to what you went through is normal. Mm. What you went through. That was not that was wasn't normal. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. 
and that that was the place where things really were able to change for me. And um, I went and got my master's degree, got my master's degree in marriage and family therapy, but ah, told them of some of my mental health struggles. And they said to me, we don't think someone like you can be a counselor. Mm. And they stripped me of my graduation honors. They let me graduate. But they, what? They took away my honors and said that I did not have the potential to contribute to the field. <gasps> and now like, you, you're showing them by building an army of people yes. who, because precisely they have struggled and they know how to help people. Like you, you've completely flipped it. You, you've said, you want to take away my honors? You want to take away my honors? Let me show you. Yeah. 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 That Mind it, blowing. It, yeah. It is the power of my lived experience, mm, mm, mm. which has allowed me to do what I do. Well, it shows, right? Because every class that you teach, every supervisor uh, that you're grooming, every time you speak and create a new program, you know, you're coming from a place of love. And every time you interact with these new coaches, I've experienced it from day one, you know, there was this, hey, girl, you know, just come home and feel feel welcome. And you exude that every time, you know, you're welcoming people. Yeah, that's what I want them to feel. I want that. I really, really, really want that feeling of welcome home. This is where this is your place. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so I, I practiced therapy for a while and you know there are these ethical restraints, you know, what you can do as a therapist and how you can relate to your clients. And I knew I work with trauma survivors. I knew there was a part of me that knew that that relational aspect was the pivot. Well, partially because you actually experienced it happening for yourself but also i think deep down inside you knew uh, yep. and then as you're working with your clients you're like mm, you know if i did this it would yeah. be much better for them yes right when we are raised in environments where nobody teaches us how to love ourselves the way that we learn how to love ourselves is to have someone else show us it's the role modeling and receiving it yeah and, fe- and feeling somatically feeling it Exactly. The visceral component has to be there. I I say that all the time in the classes I teach. You cannot have just words. You have to have actions, the words and the actions. That's how the brain and body get reprogrammed. And energy. You have both. It's it's that intention and energy, right? It's your action will show. The emotions will come forward and, and the other person can feel it. It's not, it's never just the words. It's never just the words. No, and it, it's yeah. never just a sitting in there and nodding your head and say, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, ex- I experienced that once, just, just as a side note, because I, I want to hear the rest of the story, but I, just as a side note, I did go to a therapist, uh, and it was my first session, so I spent an hour and a half, you know, kind of explaining what I think might have been the issues and what I need help with, and yeah. she, uh-huh, took notes, uh-huh, took notes for an hour and a half, and then at the end of it, she didn't validate or repeat or reflect or anything. And all she said was, okay, well, I think we could work together. Are you comfortable with mindfulness? Like that was how she like ended my session with her. Right. Yeah. And I thought, so is this just what you say to every single person who like pours their heart out? Another person 
coming through your door or am I a real person to you? And I said, yeah, I'm not coming back. Bye. Because it didn't feel like she was listening to me or understanding me or seeing me. Seeing and hearing you. Yes. Which is something you always said. You always said, I see you, I hear you, I care. That was one of the things that stood out for me. Uh, I would be like, you said that pretty much in every class. You know, it was like, I see you, I, I, I hear you, I understand you, I care. You know, we're here together and we're healing together. And that, that was the other thing that I think kept standing out to me too, was this is not a one and done thing. You're always talking about how there's always more to learn. There's always more onion layers uh, to peel. You're continuing to do your work. And that's very different from the way a lot of us grew up, which was, you know, somebody's authority and they know everything. Yes. And see, that's exactly what trauma survivors don't need. We don't need a power differential. We don't need a power differential because that's probably part of the trauma that got us to where we are. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I agree with that. And if I put myself in the place of, okay, all right, Sherry, I know what you need to do. Are you okay with mindfulness? I tell you what to do. I'm doing two things. I'm telling you I'm better than you. And I'm also telling you, you don't know what you need to do to heal yourself. I'm disempowering you. I was so triggered, Bobby. I was so triggered by that. Like, I just stood there half frozen, half angry, right? Yeah. But I didn't realize that now as you're saying it, that the reason why it was because it felt disempowering. It actually really did. Now that you're describing it and I'm sitting here with my feelings, I'm like, ooh, my body absolutely felt disempowered. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And we don't need any more of that as trauma survivors. We don't. No. We absolutely don't. You know, we need the peer to peer. We need the experienced guide. We need the fellow traveler. We don't need the, okay, this is what you need to do. A, B, C, and D. You are broken, but I can fix you. (sighs) If you do what I say. If you do exactly. Oh, I've had clients who said, yeah, uh, I had to, you know, I got fired by all my therapists because they kept telling me that I wasn't doing what they were saying. And I was like, what? So they weren't meeting you where you were? Right. Yes. No, they yes. just they just said I was beyond hope. And I was like, what? Isn't that awful? Like I said, trauma is cumulative. Trauma, oh. trauma, trauma, trauma. It's all trauma. All adds on top of the trauma that you've already had, which then makes it harder and harder for you to get where you want to be. 100%. So this is all going through your mind. You've had a lived experience. You now have the credentials to do the work. And you are from now seeing it from the inside now and saying, hmm. Yeah. So then at what point did the apple fall on Bobby's head? 2014. In 2014, I retired as a therapist and I moved into trauma recovery coaching. And as a coach, found the capacity, found the freedom to be able to tell my clients I love you exactly as you are. And, and I am bringing myself to the table with you where you are. I'm not going to stand above you. No. I'm going to sit, even if you are in a dark, awful, terrible place, I'm going to come where you are. I'm going to sit down next to you. And I'm going to say, tell me about how you got here. Tell me about this place. Tell me about how you think. You want to look for a way to get out. Oh, wait. Oh, I've got this amazing backpack. You know, 
just like what what's her name? Dora the Explorer. Yes. Backpack, you know? Yes. I got resources. I got tools here. Do you think any of this will help you? Will the like, map? Will the map help? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's not me saying, oh, here do this or here do that. No, it's like, no. Hey, I got some resources. I, I've been in a pit kind of like this before. Yeah. You know, not exactly like this, but kind of like this. And so, you know, I'm I'm here with you. I'm here with you. How how can we get out? What do I, you need? I love that. I love that. I love the message of I'm here with you. Yes. And how do we get out? Yes. I, I really like that. How do we get out? How do we get out? I'm here with you. We're sitting in the pit together. We're brainstorming together. Yes. And so in 2014, you became a trauma recovery coach. And was that a term at the time? Not really. I think there were maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 of us doing the work. So yeah, started doing it, found the coaching model so much more effective for my clients. Kept having people say to me, can you teach me how to do what you do? Oh, and I'm like, oh no, if I can teach you, I, you know, they come out all the, the inner critics in your head, right? I know, oh, I, I know them well. Who do, who do you think you are? Oh, wait, wait, don't forget what they told you in grad school. Oh, right. Cause that's still in there somewhere. Right. You don't have the potential. Uh-huh. You can do this work because you've had mental health struggles yourself. So don't forget that. Don't forget that. So in July of 2017, I went, I'm going to give this a shot and put out the word that I was going to offer a program. And in 24 hours, had 12 people sign up, immediately panicked and closed the registration. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I relate to that. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait, wait, I can handle, I can handle four. I can handle four. <laughs> so literally built the plane yeah. as we were flying. And yeah, you know, we've been doing it for five years now. We've had more than 500 coaches come Amazing. through the program. Amazing. We started with just a basic sort mm-hmm. of recovery coaching mm-hmm. course. Now we have the basic initial course. We have an advanced course. We have a supervisor course because I built it all because what I really wanted to do was to legitimize us as a mental health profession. Mm. No, I, I want us to be recognized as mental health professionals who use the modality of coaching. Well, I mean, the, the most recent article that just came out. Yep. Yep. Coaching can be absolutely as effective as therapy. Yes. So I put the whole thing together in a way that looks a lot like my master's degree. I mean, we've got the required reading. We've got the practicum experience. We've got the final exam. You've got a portfolio. um, We've got, I wrote a code of ethics. Um, we have specific protocols for dealing with safety issues. Mm. We have supervision groups. We have one-to-one supervision. Um, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny, Sherry, because I still have people come along who say to me, well, who told you you could do this? 
You're like, well, I did. I love it. You know, (laughs) who told you you could do this? Yes. Who told you you could do this? So who told Oprah that she could be Oprah or Deepak Chopra that he could be Deepak Chopra? Right. You know, or Or people are constantly holding up to us. Well, why aren't you accredited by the big coaching organizations? Right. Coaching organization. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. And what I always say to them is because they say you can't coach trauma. And so, you know, we, we aren't, we aren't accredited by them and we will never be accredited by them. And so, but, but you know, what's interesting though, Sherry, is nobody told them that they could run the started that they could do what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. They have just gotten big enough that they have their own authority. Yeah. And people forget that they started when they first started, they started teaching coaching. hundred percent. They didn't start as an accrediting body. No. They started teaching coaching. Yeah. So somebody told them you could do it. Somebody told the American Medical Association, you know, nobody gave the first doctor in the world the permission to be a doctor. No, no. <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Everything has to start from somewhere, doesn't it? It does have to start from somewhere. And, you know, the the whole goal is so that people don't have to go through what I went through. 100%. 100%. You know, it took me decades to make my way through recovery and so much trauma upon trauma heaped upon trauma as I tried to get help. Mm, I hear you. Everything that I've designed, everything that I teach, every piece of curriculum that I write is about what does a trauma survivor need to get from where they are, where they want to to, to be. be 100%. So what you're saying is it's relative it to is. the trauma survivor because their experience is unique and it how is. it impacted them was unique and the relationships that they had to struggle with th- those are unique that that makes their experience unique. So what we're measuring, I mean if we're measuring is yeah. not so much here's the standard that we're all trying to reach. In fact, that's what's very harming I think in general in the world that we live in, but it's much more about you're in pain and something about your life isn't working. So let's work with you to find out where you are and where you need to be and where you want to be. Right. Where you want to be. Where you want to be and and how much your nervous system can handle too. I mean, that's, that's always a big one as well. Mm-hmm. And so Bobby, you started off, you know, with Americans. Yep. Um, now my cohort last year, I know that there were more than, you know, like there are people from other countries and yeah. this year it seems like there's even more and yeah. you're, and there's so many sort of changes in terms of uh, what you're doing with equity and diversity and the association, there's different time zones. So as you're growing, you know, what is happening as I guess an American model starts to evolve? Yes. Yes. And, and that is to me, the current frontier, you know, we have kind of got some things down, but, you know, we now have coaches from Saudi Arabia, you know, Japan, you know, cultures that are very, very different. Very, very. 
than the Western, you know, more Anglo-sized cultures. Mm -hmm. And we have coaches that come from ethnic and cultural backgrounds that even though they may have been raised within the United States, their experience has been very, very different mm-hmm. yeah. than my own. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm raising my hand going like, yeah, me, me, me. I, I sound American, but my culture and ethnical experience is very different. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we have to, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, we now... Um, we now have a, a, a community diversity and inclusion staff person. Last semester, for the first semester, we piloted our coaches going through the program. They have a, we have an hour and a half of class every week, actually like disseminating information. Mm. Then they have to go to what are essentially like the lab versions of mm. the class, you know, mm. a, a science class or something like that in mm in high school or college or university where they practice. So last semester for the first time, we piloted a couple of practice groups where we focused on the aspects of diversity and inclusion. That's amazing. And I'm sure that, you know, quite a few people felt more psychologically safe, uh, you know, feeling that there was the intersectionality of of diversity for them too. That's wow. That's very powerful. So this semester, we've rolled it out now to all of our practice groups. And we have actually, we're in the process of retraining all of our supervisors who will be leading practice groups so that that aspect of diversity and inclusion is included in all of our work. And we have, I've actually written a new piece into our code of ethics that says, as coaches, we will recognize that trauma does not occur in a vacuum. No, it does not. That's beautiful. That yeah. Someone's culture and historical background and ethnicity and race and sexual orientation and gender identity and socioeconomic status and, you know, everything that was handed down to them from the generations above them has shaped mm-hmm. their experience. That's amazing. You and I may have had the exact same type of trauma, Mm. but because of the whole context of our life experience, how I have experienced that trauma is drastically different than how you may have experienced that. And if I, as a trauma coach, come into relationship with you without taking into consideration all of those elements, I think... It's unethical. Mm. Well, and it's, it's, there's an element of power and privilege that I think plays into this as well. So we, we have different levels of trauma. We have different levels of privilege. We have different levels of power depending on lots of different aspects and categories in our lives. And so we need to be respectful of that and aware and mm. asking questions mm. being really curious you know client who says to me something like my parents have have laid out for me you know what type of spouse mm-hmm. i need to have me about that where did that come from what was their experience like with that 
and trying to understand, is that cultural? Is that tradition? Where did that come from for them? That's quite amazing, too, that you're you're saying this, because as I'm looking back on therapists that I've worked with, I think sometimes they reacted to cultural elements of trauma in a way that didn't resonate with me, right? As in, they would perhaps poo-poo something, or they might, you know, overreact as to, oh my God, that's so terrible. Whereas I think it was more, well, I'm just trying to be a matter of fact about it. Like this Mm. wasn't, this wasn't traumatizing, but this was, you know, like it was, it kind of threw you off sometimes as you're, you know, just trying to like get the story out. And so that's a really, I think, important part of the evolution of trauma coaching. It's not just important, Sherry, it's critical. Yeah. Critical because if we are going to, and and you know, this is my my life's goal is to flood the world with recovery coaches. It's coming. If we're gonna do that, we have to be aware of how what we do translates into other cultures, other experiences. You know, we talked just a bit ago about how it's so important that. As a trauma recovery coach, I don't tell my client what I think they need to do to heal. And we don't have a particular theoretical framework that we adhere to. You know, there was not CBT or Jungian or because our clients are the framework. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Yes. My clients are the framework. I love it. And if I don't understand their life experience, I cannot work within that framework. No, not at all. You know, it'd be like going to classes to learn how to be a mechanic on Volkswagens and thinking that that translates into my being able to work with any kind of motor vehicle out there in the world. It Mm. does. It Mm. doesn't translate. I have to be willing. And see, this is the hard part. This is where some people struggle. I have to be willing to say, I don't know the thing. I don't know about your particular cultural background. Can you tell me? You know, mm. and being willing to say, I don't have an understanding here. Mm. I'm not the expert. I want to literally sit down here next to you. Tell me everything mm. that I need to know in order to understand how you got to this place mm. and how within the context of your experience, you want to move out of this place. Because if I come in and assume you're a Volkswagen, when you're actually a Honda moped, (laughs) I'm not going to be effective. Mm. I mean, you might know some basic stuff, but you're not going to be able to, to do what you need to do. No, I can't support you. No. So that's a beautiful place to segue into my next question then. Because I'm wondering what you want aspiring trauma recovery coaches to know before they start their healing journey and their coaching journey. First and foremost, one I want them to know about their healing journey is that they've done nothing wrong. I love and that. They don't need to be fixed. They're not disordered and they're not diseased. That if they're alive, then that means that everything that they have done is an adaptive strategy that has got them to where they are. Mm, Beautiful. So if they have made some choices that perhaps they look back on and they go, Ooh, I wish I hadn't done that. 
or if someone else has told them that they're broken, or perhaps they have an addiction, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or something else that other people look at and go, ooh, mm-hmm. wow, you should be ashamed of yourself for that, that they can kick that to the curb. Yep. Yep. Because that's crap. Love it. And that their experience got them to where they are now. And if they're alive, then they did what they needed to do. Love it. I love it. And the coping mechanism actually was a bit of a superpower. It got them, it got them through. Yes, exactly. A pivotal moment for me was when someone said to me, and I was talking about my childhood and the shame Mm. that I felt over everything that happened to me as a child. And she looked at me and she said, weren't you a clever one to choose shame? And I was like, wait a minute. What? What? And she said, well, you know, as a child, what choices did you have? Were you going to, what was I going to do? Was I going to try and fight my father off? Was I going to pack my bag and say, you guys are all wonky? (laughs) You know, in my child's mind, even though it wasn't a conscious choice, I had a choice. It was, do I walk away from all this and potentially die? Right. Of course. Yeah. Or do I choose to believe that this is my fault? Yeah. I feel ashamed. And my child's mind went, which of these is the wiser choice? For survival. For survival and service of survival. Mm. And my child's mind went, I choose shame. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of empowering, isn't it? Because then it's more of a, there was at some point in time, a decision to stay alive. There was some point in time where we're investing in you know, I need to get to the future. I need to get through this. And so this is how I'm going to do it. Right. Yes. Yes. And even though I recognize that, you know, it wasn't a conscious choice. No. Part of me, its heart made that choice on my behalf. Yes. And it got me out and through. Yes. Did I have to, after that, deal with all that shame? Yes. Still, it speaks to the power of the choices that I made in order to survive my circumstances. Beautiful. So you want to tell people who are starting their healing journey that everything they've done was in service of survival and it was adaptive and that that was the power of their brain? Yes. That was the power of their brain and their nervous system. And their nervous system. If they live in constant sympathetic fight or flight state, they did it in order to survive. If they live in dorsal vagal collapse and they try Mm. on a daily basis to stay as small and as invisible and as people pleasing and Mm -hmm. caretaking as possible in order to survive, good for them. Amazing. Good for them. The thing is, though, is that we can change all that. Yeah. We can change all that. We can retrain our nervous systems to live in ventral vagal. Yes can learn new beliefs. Our brain is enormously, our brain and our nervous systems are reprogrammable. It's amazing. And we can do that. Well, neuroplasticity tells us. None of this is not undoable. Yes. I mean, it's hard, but it's not undoable. It is. And there's help. 
You don't have to yes. do it alone. That's beautiful. So for the healing journey, it's you don't have to do it alone. That's another beautiful sentiment. What about what do you want coaches to know before they start their coaching journey? That you do not have to be perfect in order to do this work. That you can still be on your own path, on your own journey. That you can have been some really, 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 really bad places and still be really, 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 really effective. All of that is teachable. All of those skills in learning how to be a trauma recovery coach, all of that is learnable. I love it. I love Um, it. And we can show you how to do all of that. I love it. And it's true. I mean, I have to say that, you know, when you looked at me, you know, and said, you are exactly where you need to be. You know, I've worked with a number of supervisors as well. Dr. J, we've got Kimberly, uh, Jennifer, you know, when I was there, we had less uh, supervisors and now we have more. But the ones that I got to work with, you know, passed on a lot of the similar messages, which was, you're not broken. You're exactly where you need to be. I have faith in you. You may not feel it yet, but I can see, I can see. And I was like, well, I'm going to borrow your confidence for just now because I don't feel it. Yeah. And that's okay. (laughs) We have that to lend. Well, I hear your voice all the time and that's okay. In that exact tone, in that exact like sound. And that's okay. You, you've said that. And I say that now, and I say that to myself now and that's okay. And that's okay. And I, I also say to people when they say things like, I'm really struggling with this for and right now. For now. I love that. Right. Or or I, I can't figure out how to do this yet. yet. You said that to me so many times. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at you in panic, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like, I, I'm stuck. I'm I'm so stuck. I, I don't know. Should I go back to, to work because I have finance issues? Should I work at, at coaching full time because this is my calling? What do I do? What do I don't know? I don't know. And you said, yet. And I was like, huh? And you said, well, you don't know yet. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because you zoom out, right? Like you, you're, you zoom in on this little place where you're like, I don't have the answer. I don't know the how. And as soon as you say yet, you zoomed right out and you suddenly can see the picture of, oh, well, there's going to be a point in time when I know. Yes. I, I'm just not there yet, but right. that's, that's going to happen. It is. It, and, but isn't that crazy? Because you don't believe it at the time. No, you don't because you've been trained not to. All right. Right. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's very true. So many of us are the people who traumatized us wanted us to feel powerless and they squished our power because if we felt powerful, then we could obviously rise up against them. Right. And and we would, right. We would. It was essential that they teach us that we are powerless. Yep. And it worked. And it did work. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I teach, you know, there are four essential lies that trauma teaches Mm. us. I'm powerless. Mm. My fault. Mm-hmm. I'm, I should be ashamed of myself and I'm not lovable. Mm, oh. And all four of those are very, very powerful beliefs that, you know, if, if you were traumatized within a, an interpersonal relationship, mm-hmm. those are four things that the people who traumatize you teach you so that you are obedient and submissive and you don't tell anyone. And, but see, that's other types of trauma teach us that too. A tornado 
a tornado teaches us we're powerless, mm. Mm. right? So many mm. people you, you experience, oh, if, if I had only, you know, if you're in a motor vehicle accident, how many times do you hear, oh, if only I had, you know, t- turned this way or turned that way or put on the brakes sooner or left five minutes later or left five mm. minutes earlier. Mm. Um, it was my fault. I mm. should have done something different. <gasps> You know, we learn those things. We do. Again, we can unlearn them. We can unlearn them. So now that you have developed a way to unlearn and you're helping other people unlearn and you're helping those who unlearn help others unlearn, if you could go back in time to talk to Bobby Parrish of 10 years ago, what would this now new version of Bobby Parrish tell her? I think the first thing that she would tell her is... You remember when they told you you had no potential <laughs> to the field? You are going to prove them so freaking wrong. I love it. They were wrong. They were wrong. I love it. They were wrong. And you are going to make a difference. Mm. You know, easily. Look at all the people that you've 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 trained that are now on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and how many thousands and thousands of people are learning from them? How many of them are get, actually receiving coaching from them? How many of them are collaborating and working together to get a, an organization more trauma informed and sh- trauma trained? Like yeah. easily thousands, easily. Yeah. yeah. One of our coaches, she said to me one time, she said, do you ever get ripple drunk? <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and she said, just the watching the ripples oh. of what you started go out in the world. Do you ever just stop and just drink all that in? Mm. I had to say to her in that moment, well, no, actually I don't. Now I do. But it was the most amazing statement. For her, her to say to me, do you ever let yourself get rippled drunk? Well, see, that's somebody you trained who is now an incredible witness and who holds space and who can reflect back and say, yo, time to celebrate, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to do that by getting riffle drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Shout shout out to Atra. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so what are then some of the exciting developments that are happening at the association? Yes. Well, we've added, so we have the initial course, the advanced to supervisor. We've now added a group coaching certification program. I love that. We are going to beginning 2023, we're going to start offering group trauma recovery coaching to the general public. Um, certified trauma recovery coaches who are certified in group coaching, you know, because group coaching is a, a different beast. Very one to one coaching. Uh, very, you know, and and you know that for me, my foremost goal in the association always is and always will be safety. Yeah, a hundred percent safety. It that the courses have to be safe for our students. Our coaches have to be safe to work with their clients. And in group coaching, you have, you know, a whole different dynamic going on. And so safety 
and teaching coaches how to be safety when they're doing group coaching is so important. So we're going to be doing that. That's amazing. Because not everybody can afford one-to-one coaching. No, that's that's actually probably one of the biggest issues that I can see coming up, um, that uh, not everyone can afford it. And the power of group is is pretty cool. You know? It is. Yeah. You know, one of the things that makes trauma recovery coaching so powerful is the relational component. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. When you are in a group setting, not only do you have the relationship between the coach and each individual client, mm-hmm. but you have all of the relationships between all of the different, it's like exponential. It's healing and community. It's healing and community and just feeling it in action. You're not seeing something in action. You're actually feeling it. And everybody's mirror neurons are kind of supporting that together as well. It's very powerful. I remember you first talking about the group and I thought, wow, that really makes a lot of sense. And at the time, you know, in my mind, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't know how to do groups. Like my favorite modality is, you know, one-on-one and, you know, it still is. I love, I still love the one-to-one, but I am always blown away by the group programs, you know, just, just what happens in a group when, when peers are witnessing very vulnerable, um, authentic moments together. Yes, it's very exactly. powerful. Very it, it powerful. Superpowers that capacity to, you know, have that compassionate witnessing to kick the shame to the curb. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Like I'm not alone. No. Uh, wow, this is normal. Then yeah. I'm like, great. Yeah. yeah, other people feel the same way that I do. Wow. You hear it from your coach. Yeah. But when you hear it from a yeah. room full of other people at the same time, it's yeah. like, okay, all oh, right, yeah. settling in. I'm hearing this on a whole different level. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. So th- that, those are exciting developments. Looking forward to seeing that come through and potentially coming back for more certificates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, and we are also in 2023. Some of us have been getting some um, internal family systems training. That's right, from Richard Schwartz, Yeah. Yes. And I find that to be an absolutely amazing modality to work with trauma survivors. It is so non-pathologizing. Oh, 100%. And I've also been doing a deep dive into polyvagal theory. And if you go out into the IFS world and you say, I'm a coach, sometimes they say to you things like, well, gosh, you don't have the experience then to work with exiles. But if you're working with trauma survivors, you're Um, working with exiles. Oh boy, there's a lot. Yes. You know? And so what I have found is if we can teach our coaches how to be anchored in ventral vagal and how to teach their clients how to be their self, the client self to be anchored in ventral vagal, then indeed we can work safely with exiles. So coming in 2023, we're going to be offering a certification on coaching through um, internal family systems, informed coaching through a polyvagal lens. Amazing. Amazing. Um, And that'll be a separate certificate, you mean? Separate certification. You have to have your CTRC first because you have the grounding and the trauma. Yes. But you can move into getting the certification um, the IFS informed through a polyvagal lens. 
after initial or after advanced? After initial. After initial. Okay. Oh, so people have different choices um, yes. as to where they're going after initial, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It is. We are also working on getting the profession legalized in the United States. So, no. Yeah. We have a state that is starting to work with us to be willing to legislatively license trauma recovery coaches through the association who are who are educated through the association who have their CTRC their certified trauma recovery coach amazing which means that we would have the capacity to bill through insurance that's amazing and if we can get on the state level then hopefully that means we'll be able to tap into also Medicare and Medicaid and then Canada <laughs> and hopefully yes. And then exactly. Canada. <laughs> so we're gonna start in the states, get this legalized within Amazing. the states, and then Amazing. hopefully move out. Um, you know, other countries aren't aren't like the states in terms of you know how you have to the private you know, insurance and um, yeah, yeah. So you know, hopefully, like you know, right now I live in the UK. So, you know, it would be nice to be able then to have like the NHS, the natural health system, yeah. hire trauma recovery coaches yeah. Yeah. to work, you know, within their mental health system. But oh. my dream, I mean, I would love to have a trauma recovery coach in every school, yeah. Yeah. a trauma recovery coach on staff at every church, yeah. you know, a trauma recovery coach in, you know, every medical practice. Well, the need is there. I mean, you you think about all the people who are waiting in line, who are, you know, uh, and, and the other thing too is, it's not that just because you meet with somebody, they're going to necessarily be the right person for you. So you actually have to go through the process of finding a good fit right. for whatever reason, for whatever reason, right? It could be that you find somebody more triggering, or you could find um, someone reminds you of your mother, or, you know, like there, there could be lots of different reasons why someone isn't a fit. There's a huge demand for help and support, for sure. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great dream. I'm, I'm going to do what I can to support you. <laughs> And, and, and if we could have people like on staff at a school, yes, who's trauma informed, that a teacher can come to and say, mm. "I have a child mm. seems mm. to be struggling," mm. and you know, I can say to them, "It sounds like a trauma response." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here, let me give you some tools and some tips mm -hmm. to help. You know, I mean, we are coming to understand trauma. Mm. In so many ways that we didn't used to. You know, it used to be that, you know, trauma was only something that war veterans had. PTSD, yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, all right. So maybe we're going to start to accept that trauma is someone who was beaten. Sure. Or someone who was sexually assaulted. Okay, yeah, it is those things. But it's also someone who didn't, who had a parent who was not emotionally available to them, you know, too little for too long. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's overwhelm and helplessness for too long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it can be too much for too long. Yes. It can be too much too soon. Yes. Also can be too little for too long. Uh, absolutely. And absolutely. That, that is a whole, that bringing in that element mm. 
you know, it is a game changer because it recognizes that there are so many people out there whose nervous systems mm-hmm. never got the toning as no. children no. to develop the neural circuitry to have nourishing social connections. 100%. So they go out in the world, you know, they get, they're on the job and they struggle. Yes. Connections with their peers. They get into toxic relationship after toxic relationship. They, you know, they are vulnerable to predators um, and they cannot figure out, wait a minute, nobody beat me at home. Nobody sexually assaulted me. My mom and dad, I know they loved me. Why? Why am I struggling all the time? Well, that's the, that's the biggest question that you hear from clients and potential clients when they, you know, first meet you, they're like, I can't figure this out. I'm struggling all the time. I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. You you hear that all the time, especially with, with my audience, it's primarily parents, right? It's just, I'm triggered by my children. I'm so exhausted. I I don't have time. I don't, I cannot figure this out. Why am I screaming? It's all there. Yeah. I love, I love, I love your vision, Bobby. Love your vision. We're getting there. I know. I can see that every day. So, Bobby, thank you so much for your time. I usually like to end on my last question, which is what's one piece of advice you would give to a parent who is perhaps struggling with intergenerational trauma based on the way that they're raised? And now they have to rethink how they're parenting their own children. And these are children that they want to have better lives. They want them to be resilient adults. What would the one piece of advice be? Compassion, compassion, Mm -hmm. compassion, and more compassion. Compassion for yourself. I love what you were taught and what you were given as a child and compassion for yourself now, as you learn how to parent in a different way than you were parented and compassion for your children Mm. when they struggle, Mm -hmm. their struggle is their way of telling you, I need you. I need you. Oh, Bobby. And if, if if you can see that, I think if we if we as parents can look at the way a child is behaving and see that it's just their child that's the way their child knows how to say mom, dad, need you right now. Mm, it's a game changer. It is a game changer. A game changer. Again, it takes away that there's something wrong with me. I'm not a good enough parent. There's something wrong with my child. What am I going to do? In in every case, fall back on compassion Mm. for yourself and compassion for your child. I love that. I think that compassion is the core of this work. I really do. I really do. It is. Bobby, what? an extreme honor and pleasure it was to spend time together and just hear your vision, see it play out, uh, be a product of it. (laughs) Yay. I'm a product of this. And just thank you for what you do. Thank you for being you. Thank you, Sherry. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Sandwich Parenting Podcast. I hope, like me, you've learned something new that will help you along with your parenting journey. 
If you wish, you can always connect with me at www.sandwichparenting.com.